0: Lord, as we get into your word today, we ask you to, to do what only your word can do, to shape us, God. And we would never lean into or expect a church service to fix our lives, but Lord, you love us, and your word is what will change us. So Lord, we make our hearts available to you, in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about Christmas carols and it's probably it's no it's 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 not a very well kept secret around here that I have a favorite Christmas carol. It's Oh Holy Night and um you know it's 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 been a beloved um Christmas carol for a long time. Lots of generations have loved it and I collect versions of it. I have 96 count them, actual 96 MP3 different, they're all different. And as crazy as that sounds, um, I listen to the, my playlist sometimes, and it's the same song over and over. And you'd think, you know, you'd probably go nuts doing that. But they are all so varied in their style and, and sound, and the message just sings to my soul. And it really doesn't bore me to listen to it over and over. So as I was making, um, making, getting ready for to teach today and spending time in study this week, I actually had it playing in the background, the same song, over and over again. So it's laced in the message. And, you know, don't make fun of me. Because it's you collect stuff too, but this one I you know it doesn't cost me hardly anything and um, doesn't take a, doesn't get dusty and if if a friend needs to borrow it I don't care if I ever get it back right okay so it's a co- great thing to collect and um, and and so I'm collecting them and I'm planning. My, I have 96. I told you that I'm going to have one more after Christmas Eve, Eve because we're going to I'm going to I'm going to record it from whatever we do on Christmas Eve. Eve. I'm sure there will be one there too. Um, and let me tell you a little bit of, about that song. It's actually lifted from scripture. A little bit of context and history. Um, it was written in the 1800s and was taken from Luke chapter two, which we heard this morning. So um, I'm going to read a part of that again. Um, and then I'm going to get some help from a familiar friend to finish that passage out. Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the, the days were cl- completed for her to be delivered. You <laughs> like the way they talk. Okay. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It didn't work? Okay. Okay. No pressure. (laughs) This is where you're supposed to see Linus give the peanuts version of the rest of that scripture. Is it not going to happen? There's an actual Bible here on the pulpit that I can, (laughs) we don't have to do this with electronics, it's just so cute. Luke is the other way. Going oh, the wrong. Do you ever do that? You don't, come on. You know, I had. <laughs> I'm I'm just about there. They're little tiny thin pages. Luke two, and I think we left up at seven. So um, I, I when, a long time ago. I bought a Bible, and then I got smart and I thought, okay, I'm gonna get another one, and got the tabs. You know, the little tabs in there? And I used that for about a year, and then I no longer knew where the books were in the Bible anymore. So I got rid of that and went back to one where you actually have to know where they are anyway. So okay, Luke 2, we left off at verse 7. Now there were in in the same country shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was this angel, a multitude with, with the with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, a whole bunch. <laughs> Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill towards men. Oh, holy night! Taken from this exact passage, Luke chapter two, one, through, one to fourteen. It was originally um, requested by this French parish priest who um, hired a guy whose name was Placide Capot. A, a guy who was not uh, well. He was he was he was a marketplace poet. He was known. He had he had studied the arts, and you could hire him to write a poem for you. And so. He, was asked, he asked this guy to write a, a poem from Scripture. Now, Placide was not a Christian, and um, so he, he, he wrote the words to this music from just taking it out from the Scripture, and then he had a friend um, who was a musician, also not a believer, and he was the one who came up with the music. So they wrote this song, and of course, we're still singing it today. It became extremely popular. Now, the primary church at the time it was the Catholic Church. We'll just call it the Catholic Church at the time, and um, it took off in the Catholic Church. After a few years, it came. It came to the surface who had written this song, someone who didn't follow Christ, and that really offended many people in the Catholic Church. We can't sing this song. <laughs> Because even who cares what it says, it was written by some, and, but that, that didn't work. It was already, already had kind of taken off by that point, and um, it's the song that we, we, uh, we love today. Now, about five decades later in 1909, a guy named Reginald Fessenden, who was an assistant to Thomas Edison, built a radio transmitter from equipment that he had manufactured himself. And he actually took that song and broadcast on radio the first song ever broadcast. Guess what it was? It wasn't the first Noel, okay? (laughs) (laughs) He played on his violin, O Holy Night, and then he read from Luke chapter 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now this is our version of all holy night.
1: It's worth a thrill (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm not going to put that in my collection. We did record that, right? Okay, good good answer. <laughs> I mean, I I think for us we can only just kind of try to spin our imagination up and figure out what that night was actually like um, to be present that holy night. And I you know, I think um for us, for a church, I, I'm all into Christmas decorations. We got lights on the outside that a lot of other people did the work for, and the inside's all dressed up. I love it. My thing has always been the nativity. Um, that um, so, you know, here we got this church with a big front picture window, and I want a nativity out there, and it looks so cool. And don't you don't you like a good nativity, you know? And um, and it's it's just really cool. But the thing, there's something in my soul that also thinks that sometimes that picture of the nativity kind of does us a little bit of a disservice, isn't that double-minded? I don't mean to be double-minded or anything, but um, it looks so serene and perfect, right? But you can, you you gotta know that it was nothing like that. It couldn't have been that. I mean, you have a teenage girl, pregnant at about nine months, and she's, um, you know, she's 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 pregnant by God and. Um, she's with her husband, her betrothed, she, they're not actually married yet, and um, he's probably a teenager too, or if he's not, he's not very old, and they've been traveling donkey back. Ladies, nine months pregnant, you want to hop on a donkey and go for a donkey ride? Okay, so, um, I mean, she's probably on the donkey, hold on, I'm having another one, you know, <laughs> How was that for an imitation, ladies? Really? I mean, okay. Anyway, so she's having contraction pains. She's on a donkey, but it's a short trip. It's only 80, between 80 and 100 miles, 120. So it's not bad, right? She'll be fine. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I think about that, and I compare that to when Lisa and I were headed to the hospital with our first child, um, Ben, and that was a five-mile ride in a heated Chevy Impala Going to Saint Peter's Hospital, way, way different. They get to town and there's no place to stay. Just this, there's no room. And come on, I've been on this donkey. Give me a room. There's no room. And they end up. And most, most scholars think that they ended up in kind of a cave-like, more of a cave-like structure where, where basically, where animals sheltered when it was terrible weather. And so she's giving birth in the probably the worst possible environmental conditions. You know there's no medicine there, there's no heat there, there's no coffee. you know, they didn't stop at the last Starbucks. It's just not good at all. And I you know i, I I'm just comparing this in my mind to what for us was very um updated. we went when we went to St. Peter's Hospital, this is a long time ago now, um, um, thirty eight years ago, thirty seven years. huh? How old has Ben? 36. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> Thirty-six. That's what I said, right? Isn't that what I said? Anyway, okay. So um, they, we get there, and they had just started having this brand new birthing room. They had all these other delivery rooms, which were, I think, you could you could like butcher a beef or something, and there it was so clean. But there's a birthing room now. It had dim lights. It was double the size. It had a rocking chair and this bathtub, and. <laughs> and And so, I mean, I felt like we were in the lab they would bring you something if you would like a coke, they would bring you a coke or some water or something, and music was softly playing, and they were doting over us, you know all that kind of stuff fetal monitors, just this constant care and After a couple of days of difficulty, um, they decided for us in the middle of the night this isn 't working, and they called in a bunch of experts in the middle of the night, we had an emergency c section and And my wife was well cared for and taken care of. And um, moments later, this this doctor hands me my son that was uh, the biggest miracle I had, the closest I ever felt to God in my life up to that point. Happened a couple more times after that. It's just this amazing thing, and the, the real hero of the story is sitting in the front row. It wasn't. It was just, I'm just. I'm saying it was just. And 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 when when this this was not what was going on in that little cave. There weren't people running in and checking little Jesus' birth tempo while he was still inside a mom. They weren't saying, "Oh, you know what? You, you, let, let's, let's let's help you out this way. Change position. N- none of that. It was just whatever the two of them could do. And here's this, basically this little girl giving birth to the Son of God. What an amazing thing. And this Christmas carol has this phrase in it that, um, that just rings relevant to me to today. It's part of why I love it. The, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Everybody say weary world. Weary world. Okay. And for, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And if there is a way to accurately describe our earth today, weary world is a great, great description. I mean, things can be overwhelming. They, there can be, there's a lot of anxiety going on out there. The economy, you know, up and down, and relationships, and the contention in the press, and all the stuff going on. And, and, and then you get down to the personal level: people you you know, maybe who have some kind of a really serious disease, or um, families that you know that are struggling, and um, you know, just fighting to keep our nose above water. A weary world. And I think a lot of people, if they think it through in our culture today, can really relate to that phrase, "a weary world." But what we hope for, this song, and it's it 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 points to this thrill of hope. You know, imagine in that night the the chaos in the middle of what was ever going on in that cave, whatever was going on in there in that chaos, that holy night, there's still something that the this, this song would describe as a thrill of hope. It, it's still happening, I think, in the hearts of people today. In a weary world, they're putting their hope that God is gonna show up somewhere in their tomorrows and make a difference. That, there, there, be, that one day, the Messiah was gonna be born. That was their hope. That one day, on that day, things would be different. And you hear their faith proclaiming it. You know, a weary world rejoices, a thrill of hope. And suddenly, the weary world does rejoice. That's the hope. And today, you know, as we get into this, scriptures that we're gonna be in in a couple minutes, for whatever part of the weary world is resting in your own heart and in your life, I hope that the thrill of hope kind of starts to come up in there for you today. And that's how I've been praying, that you would find the faith somehow in there to rejoice with the thrill of hope because in, even though there was chaos that night in that cave, chaos may be in your life today, even though that's true, there is a new and glorious morn that comes. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. So our focus will shift to the next day when the sun does come up and the savior has been born. And, and the reason that we're going to shift there is because everything will become different because a day with Christ changes everything. Everything changes with a day with Christ. There's an Old Testament story um, where it describes what we, I could say would be a new and glorious morn showing up, and, and it's in the book of Lamentation and, and Lamentations. And let me give you a little bit of context about what's going on here. This is about 586 years before Jesus is born, so it's almost six, six centuries beforehand. And the, the, children of, of, the children of God were just... Not cooperating, they were not. They were misbehaving, in, and that's way sanitizing their behavior. It was terrible. And finally, the protection protecting hand of God was lifted off of the nation, and the and environmental or the, the, the 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 countries around them decided to go in there and take what they wanted. And um, Jerusalem was under siege by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his armies, and. And it was a bad time. People were starving to death in the city. There was a big siege going on. And, and the city basically was starting to collapse from inside. And, and, and the soldiers escaped out of the city. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in there, takes over. They capture the soldiers. I mean, it's just a terrible thing. They take everything of value out of the city. Not, when I talk about a value, I'm not talking about the gold. They got that too. But I'm talking about the people, the children, just imagine the terror is going on they they just take everything and this place is imagine just imagine how terrible that was that's the environment in which the prophet jeremiah is writing the words that we're going to find in the book of lamentations and um and so it's you know and, and jeremiah is, is in the same boat with everybody else he's he's experiencing all this stuff and he's he's had it too so He's now pouring out his heart to, to, to God in this passage. And we're gonna watch in the words here as we see this shift, this change, where he moves from mourning, he's now mourning, he's been mourning what's going on around him, to this, all of a sudden, this faith starts to seed and take, take root. And I love this, Lamentations 3, starting in verse 20. Jeremiah is talking, he says, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Catch that he's not in denial, He's acknowledging that there are some real problems, some real setbacks here. Verse 31. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I'm going to call this to my mind. It isn't up in the front. It hasn't been in the front of my mind. It's been back there somewhere. But I'm going to bring it front and center, and I'm actually going to pay attention to this. Is I'm going to call this to mind um, now, and I'm going to put it in the front of my mind because I remember this truth, and, and, I, and I'm going to have hope. Verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who, speaks, who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's amazing to see what, what one day with Christ can bring. And from this text, we're going to see um, three truths that, that can bring that thrill of hope. When you're, when you're in a weary worry, worry world, when you're there in the darkness, just one new day with Christ can bring. Okay, number one, it's going to bring exactly what you need. Didn't say want, did you catch that? It's going to bring what you need. Verse 24, I say to myself, how many of you know that sometimes, <laughs> every now and then, you just have to, to talk to yourself. You have to preach to yourself some truth. You open up God's word, you read it to yourself, and then you declare the truth to yourself. Sometimes, okay, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. What's that mean? Lots of different ideas out there. The one that I, you know, that many scholars think that it's referencing, and I tend to feel this way. I think it's possible, is when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, and um, and God would provide them every day their daily portion of food. Heavenly manna would come, and it was a daily. It was truly a daily portion. You collected each day what you would consume for that day. If you tried to collect it today and save it for the next two days, it would be terrible. Tomorrow it would have actually maggots in it. And there was an exception to that if the day before the Sabbath came, you could collect two days so you wouldn't have to do the work on the Sabbath. And that day, it miraculously lasted for two days. Every other day, it would rot after one. And the point here was that God was trying to teach his children that they need him every single day. Every single day, they need him. And in fact, Jesus taught us to pray. He said, give us today our daily bread because we need God every single day. Jeremiah says here, I call this to mind because the Lord is my daily portion. Exactly what I need. Now, as you're getting your daily portion, here's what you need to remember. God's already in your tomorrows. He's already there waiting for you. He's exactly what you need for tomorrow. Whatever it brings, he's already there. If your marriage is struggling... I, I hope you can be aware that the fact that God is in your tomorrow already waiting for you. And he, he, is, he is what your marriage needs. If you're, if you're weak today, if, you're, if you find yourself weakness, God's already in, tr- in your tomorrow. His strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If, if you're down, discouraged, if you're depressed, he's already in your tomorrows. He is the joy and the lifter of your head. Psalm 3.3. 3. He's there. A new day with Christ always brings exactly what you need. And what you need is the presence of God. The presence of God, His reality, His strength, His power, His goodness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. A new day with Christ brings us exactly what we need. Second thing is, the Lord is a, new, is a day with Christ, brings us the hope to keep going. It brings us the hope to keep going in this weary world. It's this place where you know, with, it, it, with where our faith would step up and um, when all we can see around us is darkness. It's the belief that, that a new morning is coming, even though we're in chaos and darkness. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. And I, I really believe today that Um, too many people today are trying to survive with with a very hope-deprived life. I don't know how else to describe it. Struggling to find places to put their hope. And they're putting their hope in the wrong places. You know, a lot of people do that. They put their hope in the wrong places. Put your hope in the stock market. You did not have a very good week last week. There was a right up and down, up and down it went. You know, not a good place to put your hope in the stock market. It's actually not a good place to put your hope in your company, whoever your employer is, or if maybe you own a company. You know, don't put your hope in that. Your company is not your provider. Things happen to companies. They just do. You can try this, but it's not good to put your hope in another person because people are imperfect and they will fail you and they have their own issues. Or, or to put your hope in some specific outcome. Something's going to happen. I'm going to hope that. It's okay to hope for something, but don't place your hope in that. You may not get exactly what you want. It's risky to put your hope in the wrong places. And and when we start to put our hope in the wrong places, that leads to us becoming hopeless when we get disappointed. Life becomes just this weary world. We begin to to wonder if there is anything good because our hope is in the wrong places. And, And since you can't keep things that you can't get a hold of in the first place, Paul taught us to, uh, to do this. He said in Hebrews 10, let us continue to hold firmly to the hope that we confess without wavering, for the one who made the promise is faithful. Hold on to it. Don't let it go, because God is faithful. And I, th- I think that the challenge that we see happening around us is that too many people are letting go of the hope that, that, that we professed. You know, we're grabbing, instead, we're grabbing to fear, and we're grabbing onto anxiety and, and, and we're grabbing, it's the darkness of the night that we, that we hold onto. And we're letting go of the truth of God, hanging on to the lies of the evil one. What we need to do is the opposite let go of the fear, let go of the anxiety, let go of stress and the panic and the doubt, let go of those things and hold on to the hope that we professed, the promises of God. Don't ever lose hope in what a new day with Christ can bring. Don't ever lose that hope. When I, say that, when I say that phrase, it brings uh, me to a tender place in my heart about, uh, I, I've shared before with you, uh, I think, it's been a number of years since I've talked about um, our friends. Young, And we were young marrieds, and um, we had these two friends who are both gone now, and I will say their first names, Chris and Crystal, married couple. We met them in church, we were fairly close to them. Crystal knew the word of God at that point way better than I did. And um, somewhere along the line, Chris was weary, too weary. And even before he got to age 30, he was gone. He took his life. And, and I don't think there we'll ever know exactly what happened or why, other than the answer that I have that th- the enemy of his soul convinced him of something that wasn't true, and he became hopeless. But he was gone. And obviously his wife and little girl were just broken. It shattered, shattered. And when I think back about that whole part of our life and what, it, what we experienced was this odd night a couple of years later. We lost contact with Crystal. She just, I don't know what happened. You know, we just lost contact with her. And Lisa and I were um, up at Seattle International Raceway one Saturday night late. They used to have an event there called 64 Funny Cars. Man, was that cool! <laughs> Sixty-four cars, all wanting to explode at the same time. I mean, what 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 could be better? And it's crowded. I mean, there were thousands of people there. If you've ever been to a race like that, it's <laughs> it's not a very social event, or maybe it is. I don't know. But Lisa and I were w- walking through the crowd, and the crowd was I mean, crowd. And uh, I remember I could still see it. I could still see Crystal in my mind. And we we came along and. Um, we're working our way through and this woman is right in front of us and she turns around and my eyes locked with her. It was Crystal. Remember that? Do you remember that moment? She looked through me like she, she did not know. She was so loaded, stoned out of her mind. She did not know who we were. And it was a jolt. It just jolted my soul. I watched a close friend Self-destruct. We couldn't help her. She wouldn't be helped. And I I just have to. This could be a completely wrong assessment, and it's as right-hearted as I can muster my heart to be. But my judgment is that she had just lost hope. I'm not calling her an evil person. I saw the mistakes. She she died of a drug overdose. And she just lost her hope. Been a long time since I thought about Crystal. It was terrible, that, that image in my mind of a, of, a, of a friend who just lost hope. And I, I just, I want to say to her, you know, or to Chris, her husband, if you could just make it through the night, just hold on for the night. Hold on to the next day. Whatever, whatever, Whatever you're fighting, the disappointment, the fears if he could have just held on to the next day and, and seen the risen sun that I know, that I know. Listen, loved ones, I just want to say to everybody here, without any specific person in mind, don't lose hope. Do not let go of your hope. Hold on to the hope that we profess. And I have to say that um, I, I really believe that there is at least one person here. That, as, I was, as I was putting these, in, these notes down, um, deciding to share the story again, um, uh, the Lord really prevailed on my heart while I was in my study and s- saying, you know, I'm, there will be souls present and on their menu, suicide is on the menu. And I just want to say to every one of you here, don't lose hope suicide's not the answer. It is not the answer. It won't solve anything. And the Lord loves you. The people around you love you. And I just encourage you to 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 get help. To get help. There's no shame in help. It's a loving thing for you to do to get help. Don't surrender. And I understand that it's dark, but I want to promise you that there's a new day coming. There's a new day coming, and it's amazing what one day with Christ can do. Don't give up. There's a scary world out there, and yes, it's, 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 there's weariness, but there is still the thrill of hope. And the weary world does rejoice. There's a new day coming. A new day with Christ brings us exactly what we need. Two, the hope to keep going. And three, the help that you are seeking. A new, a new day with Christ brings the help that you are seeking. Lamentations, verse 26. It's good to wait. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to wait. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I think for some people, this is speaking to the salvation of your soul, your eternity. You need to get saved. You You need to be forgiven by God. I think for some of us, we're already forgiven, but we need to be saved out of some terrible, difficult situation or circumstance. You know, just I, I want to encourage you. Don't lose sight of how, how amazing and unbelievable one day with Christ can be. I'll give you a couple examples. <laughs> Think about these people who had one day with Christ. A guy named Lazarus, really famous guy in the Bible. He'd been dead for four days, buried. King James describes him as says he stinketh. <laughs> Everybody had given up hope. He, this is done. Let's move on. And Jesus shows up, and I don't know what the words were. It's probably quoted in the scripture, but it's fun for me to say him, him. Just picture Jesus standing out in front. Lazarus was his friend. Laz, get out of there! Come on. He had to call him by name, or every other dead person would have come out. You know, and it would have been a. They didn't have enough food, so I mean, he says that. Laz, come back out here, and out he comes. It's amazing. I think if you said to Lazarus, "Hey, what's your philosophy?" He'll say, "Hey, it's crazy what one day with Jesus can do." Uh, there's this woman who'd had this um, medical problem. She'd had an, she'd been bleeding in um, a feminine problem, and it had been going on for her ever twelve years. And it, it just in their culture, that was humiliating. It just made her just ceremonially, continually unclean, unacceptable. Just this poor woman and she's thinking is this ever going to end it just goes on and, on and on and then one day she grabs the hem she presses through a crowd she violates all of the she's not supposed to be touched if she's, all these things she presses through the crowd and grabs the hem of his garment now there's a whole different study there that I'm not going to go on but I'm going to tell you about the rabbit trail there the hem of the garment was the marker of authority there was things about the hem that would be a, a signal of authority she grabbed the authority of God <laughs> and she was made whole. Now, if you say to her, hey, what's your philosophy? I'll tell you, it's crazy what one moment with Christ can change. It's crazy. There was a guy who had been at the pool of Bethsaida. He hadn't walked for 39 years, something long time, unable to walk, and Jesus says to him, hey, pick up your, ma- your, pick up your mat. Let's, let's, let's Come on, walk. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't that cavalier. That's just how I picture Jesus. This is my Jesus, okay? This is me kind and he says, come on, come on, pick that, you don't need them, come on, let's go. You know, I have a granddaughter who can walk now if she's got stuff to hold on to, and everybody's trying to cajole her. Come on, come on, Tessa, you can walk, and she says, I'm not going to walk, give me your hand. You know, this guy hadn't walked. I wonder what it looked like, you know? Wow, they work. I mean, imagine this Imagine this guy. Ask him, hey, what's life? It's amazing what one day with Jesus can do. <laughs> I mean, I think some of you got to hear this, and it's got to let this get down in your soul. There's a weary war- world, in, in your, but there's a thrill of hope that will make the difference, and it's just one day with Christ. It's the morning that comes. A new and glorious morn. And you might look at your marriage and say it's it's it, it never going to be what it should be. I'm going to tell you that it's amazing what one day with Christ can do to your marriage. Or maybe you're sick in your body. There's something there, and um, you know. And whether whether Jesus heals it heals you. Or he doesn't heal you in the way you think he should. It's amazing, the presence, what one day with Christ can do. And some of you in this room, you're in the night. You're in the chaos. You're, you're in the weary part of the world. And um, I want to remind you that, that you can have hope because of Christ, because the sun will come up in the morning. S-O-N. A new day with Christ brings us these three things, exactly what you need, the hope to keep going, and the help that you're seeking. Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. The darkness is gonna come to an end because the sun's gonna rise again. The darkness is nearly over because the son of God is gonna rise again. He's gonna rise again, and you are nearer to your salvation than you were the day before. And for some of you, that's the salvation of your soul, and for others, that's salvation out of darkness. I just wanna encourage you that the night is almost over. You let that get into your soul if you're weary today. The night is almost over. I don't know your circumstances, but God is in your todays and your tomorrow. I promise you that. Because the Son of God is risen and He is risen and He was risen into a weary world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank You for